0: Keeping up with Jones, the Lonnie Jones Podcast Adventure is brought to you by TKM Incorporated. This company located in Moss, Tennessee, specializes in erosion control, hydro seeding, hydromulch, silt fence. They do minor excavation work, and they also provide traffic control and construction signs. Their mission is keeping people safe. Their passion is wishing that all men could be saved. TKM stands for the King's Men. If you'd like to contact the King's Men, you can contact them at 931-243-3958, 931-243-3958, or you may email them at inc 2001 at TWX.net. That tkm inc tkminc2001 at TWX.net. The King's Men in partnership with Keeping Up With Jones, the Lonnie Jones podcast adventure. SJL General Contractor is a full construction company that primarily focuses on civil construction and asphalt sales in the Huntsville and Fayetteville regions. Services they provide include but are not limited to road construction, asphalt material, underground utilities, site work and demolition. They employ heavy equipment operators, concrete finishers, pipe layers and CDL dump truck drivers. If you would like for this company to work for you on your project or if you'd like to work for them as an employee of this family-owned business, you can contact them at 931-433-4660. That is 931-433-4660 or com. That's www.sjnl.com SJNL General Contractor is a sponsor of Keeping Up With Jones, the Lonnie Jones Podcast Adventure. My wife has an elementary ed degree. She has an endorsement in history. And she also satisfied some kind of testing so that she could teach a science On the secondary level she also has a master's degree in kinesiology and after 25 years of teaching and coaching she finally retired now she taught at the elementary level she taught in the middle school and she ended her career teaching in the high school level and after she retired as a public school teacher she became a project manager but the projects are all at my house we we redid the kitchen I had to take a two-stage or a two-level countertop bar and and cut it off. I had to have my friend Chad Smith help me put the uh, sheetrock back on it. And Chad also came in and did the uh, backsplash. Well, if you're going to get black granite countertops, you have to have a black farm sink. You have to have a black dishwasher. You have to have a black cook stove. You have to have a black oven. And for some reason, you have to have a stainless steel refrigerator and a black microwave. All of the things were fairly easy to install, except when I got to the part of, hey, I'm going to put a a ceramic cooktop, and I'm going to put it in an insert into the granite, and if something goes wrong, and I've had to replace too, and if something goes wrong, I'm going to have to get under the, no, 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 I'm not going to do that. We need to cut this out so that we put the oven and the cooktop together as one piece, and and Lonnie doesn't have to become a granite engineer. In order to do that, we had to cut out an extra space in in the uh, cabinets. I'm standing there in the kitchen with my sawzall and my safety glasses, Wile Coyote Visions dancing in the back of my head, and I look at her and say, you realize this is a $20,000 cut. If I mess this up, we've got to redo this entire side of the kitchen. As it worked out, I made a pretty clean cut, and we got our oven and our cooktop installed. And an additional project was to redo the deck. We took our little bitty teeny tiny back porch and we extended it 18 feet two levels with a uh, wrap inside corner stairs and and a swim spa we couldn't get a spa we can get a pool so we got a pool that's a spa that, that, that blows jets out at you now when she said she wanted this treadmill type swimming device and she said you know you can turn the current on and you can swim against it and go anywhere and not go anywhere i said baby I can bungee cord you to the Flint River Bridge and you can swim your little heart out. That falls under the category of things you thought were funny, which is stay inside your head. Well, after we do the kitchen and then after we do the spa, the next project was was a puppy. And, And not just any puppy. My wife doesn't do anything simple. All you've got to do is look at the design of our deck. Uh, we shoshogi bond all the wood, so it's not just enough to have some wood there, but you've got to burn it with a torch. We had to shoshogi bond the, the fence section that we had to remove to get the swim spot in. Th- there's there's just a lot of things that my wife makes complicated and and you know, she she couldn't just go get a poodle. She couldn't just go get another Yorkie. I drew the line at getting one of those hybrid things, you know, a Yorkie doodle or a Lassa Opsa Flopsa, or uh, I absolutely drew the line on a bulldog and a Jitsu for obvious reasons. Anyway, she does this research and and finds this rare breed dog called a Spanish water dog. Now, a Spanish water dog is kin to the Portuguese water dog. The Spanish water dog was the working common man's dog where the Portuguese water dog belonged to royalty. Spanish water dogs hunt, they herd, they do search and rescue, they'll go out into the ocean, they love salt water, they go out into the ocean and retrieve nets, they dive up to 10 feet. They have this pretty little coat and their hair after they're two years old, begins to twist into these little pointed things, it looks like dreadlocks, but they call them cords. And so she finds a little Spanish water dog, and although we had great plans to, you know, hey, we get a black one, a solid black one, we'll name him Zorro or something cool like that. We end up seeing a video of this little dog. And she's got a white spot on her head and a white blaze on her chest and a half of a white collar. And she has four white feet and the breeder named her Oreo. And so we kept the name Oreo and we drove to North Carolina during the zombie apocalypse to pick her up. Now, there were some caveats with this. Number one is, is I said, we're not going to buy a Spanish water dog. When we first started talking about it, I said they are exorbitantly priced and we're not going to pay that for a dog under any kind of circumstances. And so Jackie works out this deal with this breeder that if we take the dog, then we participate in some events. We do some kind of showing the dog, whether it's an agility course or whether it's a confirmation with the American Kennel Club. And then after we win some awards, when the dog matures, we take her back to North Carolina. She is uh, whelps some puppies. When the puppies are whelped and weaned, we get our dog back. We do this two times, and then the breeder hands over the ownership rights for life. For us, so we've fostered this little dog, and, and 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 you know when when we began to compete with Oreo, Jackie looked at the American Kennel Club, the Ukanuba Challenge, and began to wonder why those ladies wore those outfits that they do. And she realized that was a required outfit. And Jackie declared, "Not going to happen. Not going to do confirmation. I won't be caught dead in public dress like that." And so what we did with Oreo was a thing called Fast Cat. Now she's a dog. Why does she do fast cat? Cat stands for course agility training, and and in the course agility training, you have a string that is drugged by a motor around like a six hundred yard course, and it has a lure on it, uh, lure coursing, and, and and fast cat is the same kind of thing, except it's just a hundred yard dash, and you sit at the at the uh, start line, and you hold your dog in the collar, and the owner goes to the far end and when they say tally ho you release the dog and she runs to her owner or chases the lure she crosses a laser when she starts and crosses a laser when she stops and you get an accurate timing oreo finished 6th in in the nation now united states versus great britain there, there's two separate groups there and and she only competes against other spanish water dogs but in north america last year oreo finished sixth in the history of the whole program oreo is in the top 20. she runs a 100 yard dash three seconds faster than hussein bolt and so that was our our set of trophies we we got some blue ribbons and she went from a to b to c with with fast cat we're thinking about doing uh barn hunt Barn hunt is where they hide white rats in these PVC pipes, and they hide them in the hay, and you turn your dog loose. Uh, We were at a show, and uh, we were looking at the barn hunt activity, and and I said, well, you know, how do you train a dog to do this? She said, well, your dog will naturally do it if she's a a hunting dog. And so (laughs) they let us let Oreo in. And, of course, Oreo doesn't point, and Oreo doesn't bark. She was using that fantastic nose of her, and she sniffed around, sniffed around, sniffed around. And when she found the rat, she jumped back like, ah, it's real. So that, that's kind of her alert signal, and, and we may do some some barn hunt with her. And looking at maybe doing some frisbee games with her. She loves to chase and, and, and catch a frisbee. But the time finally came that you know Oreo's mature enough that it's time to have the puppies. It's time to pay the piper. It's time to, to do what we've promised to do with our contract. And so Jackie takes Oreo to Birmingham and they make a little incision and they implant puppies in her. You know, it's not your typical breeding operation. This was was a fertilization operation and, and, and she gets some, some puppies there. Dr. Crabb told us uh, based on his uh, sonogram that there were possibly five little puppies in there. And so we began to watch Oreo get fat. We began to watch Oreo go through her changes. You could sit in the floor and hold her and you gently touched her belly. You could feel puppies wiggling. And I got crazy excited about having puppies. Now, you've got to understand that that I have this certain persona. And I don't know if people think I'm a, a rough, mean guy or they think I'm not interested in things. But these puppies, just the idea of having puppies began to take over my soul. And lo and behold, it, it it started getting close to, hey, she's this many weeks into this. We've got to take her to North North Carolina and leave her for 10 weeks. And I began to have this knot in my stomach and just dreaded, well, what if she doesn't understand what we're doing? What if she forgets who we are and, and we leave her there? Well, we're getting ready to drive to North Carolina with, with our mommy dog. And it's the Tuesday before we leave to, to, to drive to North Carolina. And, and the lady who actually owns the dog and is the breeder calls us, and she begins to explain this this situation that she's in. Now, I could explain the situation to you, but when, when I tried to explain it to my friends on the SWAT team, uh, the incorrigible Bob Danoon said, yada, 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 Lonnie is laundering black market dogs for the mob. Well, <laughs> that's not necessarily the case, but it, it's a convoluted story. Listen. If you heard the story, what happened with this dog breeder and the ownership, there is more drama there than a hypochondriac and a conspiracy theorist discussing COVID. Let's let's just leave it at that. There's there's more drama than 14-year-old girls at a sleepover, and every one of them has a crush on the older brother who lives in the house. Drama aside. She tells us, I'm afraid that if you bring Oreo to North Carolina, she'll get confiscated in this lawsuit I'm involved in. So you need to stay home. I piped into the conversation, said, you realize those puppies don't have a pause button. Those puppies are going to arrive. And she was like, yeah. And so you need to be prepared for that. So here we go from sending our dog away to have puppies, to I'm building a whelping box out of expensive Synthetic boards that I used for years in the ropes course, and and the, a the little whelping box has this container, and then you put pig rails around it. And what we used was we used the swimming noodles because the little tiny puppies like to crawl under tight spaces and hide, and then that keeps them from being you know laid on or smothered by mom. Well, the Friday of the week came, and we're sitting with Oreo and we've got her in the room and she's acting really lethargic and i see this wave pass through her and i said i i, I think i just saw a dog contraction and at seven twenty, a little brown and white puppy emerged and about an hour later a little black and white puppy emerged and a little time passed on And a little puppy that was white with a black spot on her face and a black ear and a black spot on her bottom showed up. And then a solid white little puppy showed up. And at midnight, the puppies kind of stopped. Well, at 2 o'clock in the morning, a solid beige little puppy showed up. So here we sit in our house with five spots. Spanish water dogs. And I've watched these little dogs go from being born at around 13 ounces to about 11 pounds apiece. There's nothing better than coming in from work and sitting down on the floor and yelling, pup, 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 and watching the tsunami of furry, floundering love come and and, and overwhelm you. They were at that stage where they couldn't run with the... uh, bilateral gait so it's front feet both first back feet both for they're kind of loping forward and they just maul you we got this silly fox and you shake him and he makes this weird noise and you could shake that fox and they'd come from all four corners and so we're we're raising puppies for the for the next eight weeks and, and the puppies were sold before they were conceived there's a waiting list for these dogs now now we got our dog at 160th the price that you would normally get these dogs, I'm sorry, I'm terrible at math, for one-sixth of the price that you'd normally get one of these dogs. There's a guy from Michigan who's a goose hunter, and he came and got the little white one, and his her name was Carly. A sweet little couple came and got the little brown and white one, and his name was J or Ja, J-A. Somebody else came and got the little black and white spotted one, and, and, and her name is Isla, like the, the Spanish word for an island. And then this beautiful little couple came, and, and the, the husband is a yacht driver. So three days a week, this little dog is going to be on a yacht out in the Gulf, and uh, his name is Grady. The little one that looks just like Oreo, we still have at our house. And it may or may not end up being a resident at our house, but right now the idea is he's going back to the breeder. And I got to name him, and because he's white with black, it reminded me of the colors of the Oakland Raiders. So his name is Raider. And sometimes I call him Raider Nation, and sometimes I call him Raider Bear. But we're raising these puppies. Now, in order to prepare a puppy to go live with other people, there's some things that puppies require. First of all, you got to wean them. they got to go from being addicted to mommy milk. To eating gruel and, and mixed up stuff and then you've got to to turn them into people who'll eat their little puppies who'll eat solid food every time you pick a puppy up that's new you rub his feet and you rub his ears which they do not like they do not enjoy it their feet belong to them i don't know how you feel about people touching your feet but it's one of those you know you better be pretty good friends with me to touch my feet but we we touch the puppy's feet to get them used to if they're sitting in confirmation or if they go to the vet he's going to look in their ears he's going to touch their ears he's going to touch their paws and and so you have to inoculate puppies to to this sensation we had to introduce the puppies to all kinds of things that were frightening they had to meet the roomba you had to run the vacuum cleaner around them i've taken them out in the yard and and shot weapons around them we have let them meet other dogs we let them meet a cat we invited people to come to our house and socialize with the puppies, old people, young people, and tiny little children. We we had to give them their shots. You take chicken and rice baby food and you put it on a spoon and a puppy will sit there and lick that spoon while you drive a needle between his shoulder blades and give him his parvo and his distemper shots. And all the all these things that we do, we do to prepare the puppies to leave. And if you don't do these things, if you don't, teach them to eat, if you don't teach them to fetch or to heal or to sit or you don't potty train them, if you don't expose them to things that they're scared of like power tools and vacuum cleaners and you don't take them out outside their normal little safe contained environment, if you don't do any of this, if you don't expose them to any adversity and if you rescue them from all their fears and you keep them comfortable, then what you end up is, you don't end up with dogs, you end up with really large puppies. And that's not the goal of preparing the puppies for life. It's it, it, it's, I, it was hard when they came and, and, and got Carly. I've only known this little dog for for seven or eight weeks, and and they put her in a car and we walked Oreo out and let her see them get in the car and let her get in the car and sniff and we brought Oreo back out and they drove away to Michigan on the front of the snow apocalypse trying to beat that weather, and and I stood there in the driveway and and almost teared up because one of the puppies left. But see, when you're raising puppies for a breeder, not laundering them for the mob, when you're raising puppies for a breeder, you have to do some things to prepare them to leave. They, They didn't like to sleep in the kennel, they went from the whelping box that they couldn't crawl out of to, to one they could. And then we put them in a kennel. We turned our living room into a puppy kennel. And by week six, they were able to climb out of the kennel. So we had to actually put them in a closed kennel. And you put puppies who are used to running around and being rambunctious, and you put them in the kennel and they cry to get out. Well, you have to teach them that you can't demand to get out. So you walk and you stand in front of the cage and you listen to them whine and you listen to them plead and, and Raider even developed a little howl. And you stand there till one of them is quiet and sits down. And the first one that's quiet and sits down, you pick him up and take him out. It took two times. And these puppies are so smart that they learn, hey, if you want to get out of the cage, you need to sit down and shut up. It's a hard lesson to teach a puppy. Out in the yard, Oreo would take the very assertive puppy and kind of rough her up. She'd take the very gentle, kind of shy puppy and, and let her play tug-of-war and, and build some confidence. It was amazing to watch Oreo parent these puppies. We were out in the yard one day, and the black buzzards came swooping over the yard, and Oreo gave this very special bark. And all five puppies ran to the porch and in through the puppy door. And you've never seen anything like a a tsunami of of furry flood balls run through a a pet door because they don't know about taking turns. They go in two at a time and one on top of the other, and it's pretty hilarious to watch. But what I had to wrap my mind around was these are not my puppies. I, I probably won't get to keep one, and I'm not doing my job. And I'm not fulfilling my promise and I'm not fulfilling my commitment if I don't prepare these puppies to leave. Jackie even got them to the place where they were nearly potty trained. The puppies would cry or bark or, or there's a, 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 we have some bells hanging in front of the puppy door. And when the puppy door is closed, the puppies would go over and wiggle the bells. And you carry them outside and sure enough, they take care of the little bathroom business. And the ones that didn't go outside learned to use a little mat in the house. And all these things were difficult to teach a puppy. All these things were difficult to train a puppy. And some of the things we exposed the puppies to was frightening. We took them on car rides. We took them places they'd never been and let them see things they'd never experienced. And and all that, all that adversity, all that new stuff, all that difficult stuff was designed to prepare them to leave us. They don't belong to us. They're not ours. But they're our responsibility. And so when we talk about parenting, your children should be exposed to things that they are uncomfortable with. Your children should have to deal with adversity on their own. Your children should have to face fears and experience failure. Your children should be held to a standard that says your behavior affects what I'm allowed to do with you. And if you don't sit down, you can't get out of the cage. Not that we put children in cages. that sounded bad. But you you have to teach these things and they're unpleasant and, and they're not we don't like to do it. Discipline is putting stress in a relationship so that the result is growth. Disciplining your children should never be punitive and it should never be vindictive. It should simply be about enforcing consequences and teaching life lessons. And, and if you're doing things that's punitive or vindictive, then it's not discipline, it's manipulation. Our children need to learn three perceptions. This is from Stephen Glenn's Raising Self-Reliant Children in a Self-Indulgent World. Children need to believe that I'm capable. There's things you can do. We taught the puppies to fetch. We taught the puppies to respond to a call and come to us. We taught the puppies to sit before they'd be fed. We taught the puppies to to tell us when they needed to go outside. We need to teach our children I'm capable. Number two, we need to teach our children they're significant. They're not the most significant, but they are significant. They have some inherent worth. They have inherent value simply because they're created in the image of God. They don't need to believe they're the king of the universe, but at the same time, they don't need to believe they don't belong in the universe. We taught the puppies the self-esteem to to come to to being called and, and to 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 cuddle with them and to pet them and to individually feed them. We need to teach people that the perception of I can influence what happens to me. Your choices affect your outcomes, and, and we did that with the puppies. You know, if you don't sit down and be quiet, we will, don't take you out of the kennel. Or if you don't wait your turn when it's time to eat, you, you don't. Or if you don't eat when it's time to eat, and we put the food up, then you cry all you want to, but you had a chance to eat, and you're not going to starve to death tonight. I'm capable. I'm significant, and I can influence what happens to me. You also have to teach your children, according to Stephen Glenn, some skills. There's a set of skills called intrapersonal skills. That's making peace with who I am and understanding my own emotions. There's interpersonal skills. That's the me that me runs into the you that you. There's systemic skills. And I realize there are more of you than there are of me. And I got to get along in community. I got to get along on a team. I got to get along in a family. I got to get along in church. I got to get along in community. And then there's judgmental skills. I make decisions based on a set of values. That is not easy to do with children. And it's not being done in this current generation. We are rescuing our children from consequences, and we are preparing the path for them rather than preparing them for the path. You're not doing yourself any favor if you raise a kid who won't leave home. You haven't been a successful parent if you raise a child that that lives in the basement. My dear, sweet friend, Susan Bass, uh, Susan Bass Clevarn or Clevern, Uh, When she was a young student in my youth group, she was crying one day in my office, and she said, Lonnie, all I want to do is grow up and and stay home. And I said, pick one, because if you grow up, you won't stay home, and if you stay home, you won't grow up. The job in, in, in raising puppies and the job in raising children is we're preparing them to go somewhere else and live with those perceptions and those skills. One of my favorite Bible verses, Paul talks about working with a church in the city of Thessalonica, and he says, When we were with you, we encouraged you, we comforted, and we urged you like a parent does his own children. And although the apostle was not married, and the apostle didn't have any biological children, he understood, at least through the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, what it was to be a parent. And then my job is to encourage I'm capable, I'm significant. And my job is to comfort, respond to you when you're in distress, help you deal with the difficult things, and expose you to things that are hard to deal with and may even be frightening. And then my job as a parent is to urge. That's that discipline, putting stress in relationships. so that The result is growth. It's not punitive, it's not vindictive. But it's helping you be prepared to face life without the mama dog. And without the surrogate parents to grow up and be independent. You have children at your house. You're raising children or influencing grandchildren or nieces and nephews. You must remember this. They are not ours. They're not to be kept. They're not to be sequestered. They're not to be isolated. They are not ours. But they are our responsibility. Responsibility. Keeping Up With Jones, the Lonnie Jones Podcast Adventure, is sponsored by us. What? We sponsor ourselves? Is that even legal? Check us out on Amazon. You can have access to the titles of Pedagogue, the youth ministry book by Lonnie Jones. Cognitive Spiritual Development, a Christ-centered approach to spiritual self-esteem. Grappling with Life, Controlling Your Inside Space a small essay using the principles of Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu to talk about psychological and emotional self-defense, If I Were a Mouse, a children's book written and illustrated by Lonnie Jones, and then The Selfish Real, a very short story about a decision. Also, you can check out our YouTube channel to see archived lessons and presentations from across the country, some videos with rope tricks and knots, Don't forget to visit the uh, Facebook page, 550Guys, to learn about the little rope men that we make and that we invented and that we make. And then be sure to click like, subscribe, and share. This is Keeping Up With Jones, the Lonnie Jones Podcast Adventure.